Amen. Think about what you're not carrying anymore. Amen. The weight of your sin, the guilt, the shame, the thought that it's been cast as far as the east is from the west and that God remembers it no more. My mortal mind cannot understand that. The devil reminds me of my sin all the time. And to think that God's forgotten it, boy, that's just hard for me to understand. But I'm thankful that he has. And I'm thankful that he's taken it away and that I no longer carry that this morning. By the way, if you came here this morning and you're carrying any extra baggage, any extra luggage that you'd like to leave behind, I don't know, he'd like to take that from you as well. Amen. Boy, I'm so thankful. He's already borne it to the cross, paid for my sin and for yours. If you've never trusted Christ, you're going to have a great opportunity to do that here today. Thank you, Brother Bryce, for that wonderful song. By the way, thank you, Brother Bryce, and uh, the rest of the Matthews clan and all the other staff and volunteers who were here this week uh, for our winter retreat, our teen revival, if you will, this week. A little different winter retreat than we usually do. We kept them here. And I had the theme of Unite this year till we get mom and dad and the young people on the same page. Uh, oftentimes we're burdened about young people get on the right page and the mom and dad are not and vice versa. And the goal this week was to get them all on the same page at the same time, right here at the beginning of the year. We had a great time. And get around to those folks. If you have a young person who was here this week, I want to encourage you to get by and, and thank those that you saw volunteering this week. Uh, I don't know if you realize it, but it was about 14-hour days for them. They started at 8 o'clock after service. They didn't get home to about 10 o'clock, about 14-hour days for all of them. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you for your commitment, your faithfulness to our church, to our young people this week. I know some good things have happened. Some good seeds have been planted, and we're going to try to water them in the oncoming years. So thank you, Mom and Dad, by the way, for having your kids up here, dropping them off. And I know that some of you don't have a problem with that. Amen? You like to drop them off when you can. Uh, no offense to mine. I love her. But every once in a while, it's nice to drop her off somewhere, and she always manages to find her way home, but uh, we're thankful to be able to drop her off from time to time, and I appreciate y'all wrangling them, and appreciate mom and dad for your faithfulness this week to come, and just pray you did the will of God, oh, what God could do with a family who's on the same page in the will of God, so I pray that you'll ask that the Lord continue to work in that, and thankful for our great speaker this week, we had Brother Copeland, he's not a stranger to these parts, and uh, I knew Brother Copeland long before that I came here to Central, met you years ago at our camp, came down and preached there at Carson at mom and dad's place, and got to know him there, and uh, don't stay in touch with him as, uh, as maybe I would like to, but I can tell you one thing about him through the years, watching from a distance, he's been faithful. And uh, boy, we discount faithfulness, or we don't count it as much as we should. Uh, I tell you often, we count flashiness and we count fanciness, but we don't count faithfulness like we should. And Brother Copeland's been faithful, he's been balanced, and I appreciate that so much when so many are not. So many are falling away. So many are getting on board with fads and trends. And he's just been even keel. And that means a lot to me as a pastor to know who we have coming in to speak to our young person lives what they're preaching. And I appreciate that in his life. But an encouragement to me. The other day I was going through my desk and trying to clean up in the new year and found a note that you wrote me years ago when he was down there at our camp. Just a very encouraging note. And I appreciate people who've invested in my life and invested in our young people. And so thankful to have him here this morning. He's going to be preaching for us. Hope you've been praying for him. Hope you're ready to hear from the Lord this morning. So let's welcome Brother Copeland to the pulpit this morning. Well, what a joy to be at Central Baptist Church. This is a great place. Amen. This is a great place. I, even when it's raining, it's a great place. I love the smiles. I love the excitement. I love the singing. I, I enjoyed that offertory. That was powerful. And a great job with that. The special was okay, but the, the offertory was fantastic. 
I'm just picking on Bryce. He went out smoking a cigarette somewhere, I think. He, he went out the back door. Y'all pray for him. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just kidding by that, about that, I, I think. Maybe he's vaping. I don't know. He's out somewhere anyway. And I am so thankful to be at Central Baptist Church. And what a great place. By the way, Central Baptist Church is not a building's walls. The Central Baptist Church is people. And uh, when I say I'm so thankful to be at Central Baptist Church, it's I'm so thankful to see friends and uh, to see smiling faces, to see knucklehead teenagers. And, uh, and I, I mean that with respect and, uh, th- because all the guys that are teenagers are knuckleheads. And amen, guys, right? Amen, amen. And parents, amen. I'm so I'm thrilled to be here. I really am. I wish my wife were able to be here with me. And uh, we actually fly to Germany tomorrow morning. And uh, so I'll preach tonight and get in the car and drive home and uh, back to Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee area. And uh, get in a plane just a few hours later and, and uh, sleep on the way to Germany. Looking forward to it. One of, one of our former teenagers, one of our former uh, uh, young men preacher boys at our church growing up, uh, he is a missionary over there. And uh, he serves in a military church uh, as the pastor. And he called me. He's been there now uh, 10 months. Uh, his name's Rob. And uh, Rob called me and said, Brother Kurt, I want you to come preach revival for us. And so I'm going to get a plane and go that way. And we're taking my, uh, my wife and I, obviously, are going. She is, we've been married, by the way, 29 years. Um, 29 years, 7 days, and 20 hours, 30 minutes as of right now. And uh, <clears throat> I am that romantic. <laughs> Actually, we got married on January 1st, so it's real easy to do the math. And uh, I'm really not that some of you wives are like, I wish my husband even remembered the, the, the month we got married. And, and I, I only remember because she made me marry her on, on January the 1st. And actually, it was her father-in-law. We wanted to get married on December 31st. And he said no. He said, you're not getting married December 31st. I've paid taxes on her all year, and I'm going to get the credit for it, not you. <laughs> And so January 1st, and, so, and he meant it too. He, was, he drives a hard bargain. But, uh, and we've got, God's given us two daughters. I told you this Wednesday night if you were here. We, our oldest daughter, her name is Angel. She is 25, lives in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, and uh, teaches, in a, in a thir- teaches third grade in a Christian school there in Fort Walton Beach. And uh, single and ready to mingle. And so I'm still taking those applications. You see me later about that. We'll talk. And uh, my youngest daughter, I gave Gabby a hard time Wednesday night. And I'm convicted about that. Some of y'all helped convict me about that. And uh, I, I said that Gabby, Gab, Angel's the sweetest thing in the world. She doesn't know a stranger. I said, Gabby is just the opposite. Gabby, if, if, if she doesn't like you, you know it. She'll tell you. And uh, she's blunt. And uh, she, she's very sweet. So I'm fixing this this morning. She is blunt. She does, she does speak her mind. You don't have to worry what Gabby's thinking. She will tell you. And... Uh, but she is the sweetest thing in the world, and uh, I love her to death. She, she would play sports, and uh, she played basketball, and as she played basketball, she would, she, you know, someone throw an elbow underneath. She, she's, a, she's my height. She, she played down low a little bit in the Christian school league, and someone would throw an elbow, boxing her out, catch her right in the chin or something, and she, oh, she didn't, she wasn't the kind that was like cry or whatever. She, she'd get mad, and she'd go down the court the other way, and she's, she's already sharpening her elbows as she's going down the court the other way. And I can see it happening. I'm like, Gabby, Gabby, get control. I don't want to have to bail you out of jail. Attempted murder is real, even on a basketball court. Don't do it. And she'd go down and she'd throw the elbow. That's just her personality. She's just, that's just her. 
and uh, she is engaged to get married. I'm excited about this. And uh, she's 22, and uh, she'll graduate with a nursing degree in just a few months. And a few days later, she'll say, I do, Lord willing, at the altar because I'm tired of paying for her. So hopefully she'll say, I do. And uh, she is marrying a young man who graduated from college already at, there at Pensacola and, uh, and now has graduated from Firefighter Academy. And uh, so he is a full-time firefighter in Atlanta, Georgia, the, uh, Winder, Georgia, technically, and just outside of Atlanta. And uh, great guy. We love the guy. He's a Yankee, but we love him anyway. And uh, he is a great guy. I, I love him. And uh, Hayden Hoffman is his name. His parents teach in a Christian school up in Cleveland, Ohio. But uh, we uh, will fly. Gabby and Christy and I, my wife Christy and Gabby and I will all fly to Germany tomorrow morning. And uh, looking forward to it. Thank you for allowing us to be here. We have, I say we, I've had a great time. I really have. And uh, Pastor Andrews, thank you for allowing me the privilege of preaching in your pulpit. I don't take that lightly. And uh, thank you, church family, for coming. We'll do it again tonight, and I'll see if really you care. Uh, you know, if, if you get tired of me, you won't be here tonight, I understand. And I, that's okay, I understand that. But thank you for coming this morning. Some of you are like, I didn't know you were going to be preaching. But the doors are locked, so you can't leave. So just, we'll stick around for a few more minutes and, and uh, have a good time. And, and uh, I do want to say, Brother John, uh, Matthews has just been so kind and gracious to us. And uh, we've had a great time. The Blasiolas were over at their house last night, and, and uh, we had a great time. Probably laughed too much. And uh, won't tell any other details of what took place, but we had a great time and uh, just enjoyed the time. Thank you all for your friendship and kindness to me. And, uh, and pray for, by the way, Brother Andrew's birthday was this week. I didn't sing Wednesday night. I've really been working on my singing so I could sing happy birthday to you this morning. But I don't want people to get up and walk out either. So I, I probably won't do that this morning. Although you're okay with it this morning. Wednesday night you said no. You hadn't heard me sing. So now you've heard me sing. Yeah, well, it's much worse, I'm just telling you. <laughs> and uh, happy birthday, happy birthday. And then uh, Mrs. Matthews had surgery this past week. So I, I hadn't got to see her at all this trip, but uh, had the surgery, uh, appendectomy, and, and has been all laid up. And her husband st kept plugging away. And I, I admire that. The kids all plugged in and doing their thing too. And, and, uh, and all the workers coming alongside, thank you. It's just been a joy a joy to be here. And uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I've wasted too much time here just chit-chatting. Matthew chapter 7. Some of you have the pot roast on the, uh, in the crock pot at home, so I don't want to burn it. And uh, so I'll do my best to stay within a time limit. Matthew chapter 7. I love the book of Matthew. Uh, as a matter of fact, I love, Jesus is my favorite preacher, just so you know. I love to hear Jesus preach. And we're going to look at Jesus' longest recorded message in the Word of God this morning. And uh, I'm not going to preach the whole message. Some of you are like, thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll, just hit, we'll just hit the conclusion. I, I remember as a preacher boy growing up, uh, I, I, I surrendered to preach my junior year of high school and, and uh, really thought I was going to the mission field. God changed all that. And I, my mission field ended up being teenagers in, in Middle Tennessee. And, and, and I thank God for that. Now my mission field is evangelism. I get to travel in a different, go to a different church pretty much every Sunday of every year or every week of, every, uh, of the year. And, uh, and I thank God for that. It, it's exciting. But I thought I was going to go to the mission field. I, I, I went to college studying to be a preacher and, and, uh, and, 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 and God blessed. I, I'm so thankful for what God's allowed me to do. When I was a preacher boy in high school, we had a preacher boy class. My pastor was a man by the name of Bob Kelly. 
And uh, Bob Kelly, he, uh, every Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock, he had the Timothy Club is what he called it. It was a preacher boy class. And I remember getting up way too early. I've been a youth pastor all my life. So for me, early is like 10, 10, 30, 11, something like that. That's early for me. Not then. He had preacher boy class at 7 o'clock every Tuesday morning. And so we had to get up extra early to get to the school we met in room 301 right next door to the pastor's office, and we would all be in the classroom waiting. And, and Bob Kelly, if you ever ever met him, had the privilege of meeting him or hearing him preach, he was no nonsense. It was just, his nickname was Machine Gun Kelly. He'd get up and he'd part your hair right down the middle. It was just rapid fire, and, and he'd skin you. I mean, he, he, was a, he was a hard preacher. I loved him. He was my, my, my all-time favorite hero. I, I, I thank God for my pastor. And uh, he's in heaven now. But I, I remember we go to that preacher boy class, and he would give us nuggets of truth uh, every every Tuesday morning. We'd get our notebooks out. We'd take notes. And, and, and I remember one lesson in particular, Pastor Andrews. He, he said this. He said, boys, when, when you prepare a message, he said this. He said, always start from the invitation and work backwards. And I remember thinking, well, I'm pretty backwards myself, so that, that fits pretty good for me. But, but I, thought, I thought in my mind, that doesn't make much sense. Why would you start at the invitation? And then he said this. He said, you always want to know where you want the people to be when you finish the message. You want them to understand, as people walk out the door, what is the message you want them to have from God's word? And he said, start there. What is, what is the one thing? And so I, as I listen to preaching, I really do listen to how someone closes off their message, how they conclude their message. Because that's really what they're wanting you to hear as they finish the message. That, that's that, those last closing remarks, those last words. And when I read this message from Jesus, I'm looking at the conclusion today. I want to hear how Jesus finished his Sermon on the Mount, the longest recorded message of Jesus. We could go to the beginning. We could go through the Beatitudes. By the way, Powerful preaching. We could go later in the book of Matthew. We could look at Jesus talking to the scribes and the Pharisees and saying, you hypocrites, you, you den of vipers. I mean, we could go there. We could study that one. But I, I want to focus on the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. And I want you to know the power of Jesus' words in this passage blow my mind. I want you to see him. Look at Matthew chapter number chapter 7. Matthew chapter number 7. Look, if you would, please, we'll begin reading uh, verse number 24. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24. The Sermon on the Mount begins Matthew chapter number 5. So if chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, Jesus gets to the end of his message. If, if, uh, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, you'll notice all those chapters are in red until we get to the last two verses of chapter, tw- uh, chapter 7. So we'll finish with Jesus' final words here. Look at verse number uh, 24. The Bible says this, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, Jesus speaking again, he's got a multitude of people there on the hillside, and he says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a, what's the next three words there? Unto a what? Wise man. I'm sorry, I said three words. I'm from Tennessee. I meant two words. I said three. I'll liken him unto, what's the next two words? A Wise man. Jesus said, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. This wise man which built his house upon a rock. 
And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a, help me out, on a rock, on a solid foundation. There there was nothing going to shake this house. This wise man heard God's sayings. He applied it to his life, and he said, I'm going to liken that man into a man who built his house upon a sure, strong foundation. And he contrasts that now. He goes to chapter, or verse number 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a, what kind of man? Foolish man. That's pretty abrupt. I don't know about you. Growing up, I have three older brothers. I'm the youngest. I was the punching bag. How many of y'all, how many of y'all, you're the oldest in your family? You're the oldest. Adults or kids, you were the oldest in your family. Go ahead, raise it up there. Be proud of it. You're, you're the oldest. You're the know-it-all. You like to boss everyone around. Mom and dad were gone. You just like tell everyone else you're in charge. I see. Thank you for testifying. And uh, how, how many of y'all, you're the youngest. You're the youngest and you got blamed for everything. And everyone said you're spoiled rotten. And, you know, all your older siblings look at you like, you, you were treated so much different than us. You got, I, 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 I understand. I, I know what you're talking about. How many of y'all, you were somewhere in the middle? I did those with the teenagers. How many of you are somewhere in the middle and your parents don't even know your name? <laughs> you were completely lost in the shuffle. My mom called everybody's name, including the dog, before she got to me sometimes. And uh, I, I was the youngest. got three older brothers. And, 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 and sometimes we would get in little spats. I know your children never did this. But me and my brothers, we'd get in these little arguments, and our arguments, this, I guess, was before politically correct time got here. We called each other all sorts of names. I can't repeat those names, but, and I'm not talking about bad words. I'm just talking about words that aren't politically correct anymore, and they'd call me things. I'd call them things, and my mom, we would, I would look at one of my brothers, and I'd say, you're a fool, and my mom would say, whoa, 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 we don't do that. I could call him anything else, but I couldn't call him a fool. That doesn't make much sense, but I couldn't do that. And, 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 and that word fool is pretty strong. And God looks at us and he says, hey, I'm going to liken those who hear these words, who hear these things, and you choose not to do them. God says, I'm going to liken you unto a fool, a foolish man. And the Bible goes on and says, which built his house upon the sand. The Bible says in the very next verse, uh, verse 27, and the rain descended and the floods came and, and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. It fell. And great was the fall of it. I look at this passage of scripture and, and I am just blown away. Jesus preaching there on the hillside of Galilee. And I, I had the privilege of going to Israel back in, in 2018, my wife and I did, and, and uh, I got to preach on this hillside where, this, where, where people would say this sermon took place, and, and just an amazing trip, and looking out behind me at the Sea of Galilee, and I can envision Jesus standing on this hillside, looking at the multitudes of people and saying, hey, now it's your choice. He preaches a, a three-chapter sermon, and he gets to the end of it, and he says, I'm going to liken you to a wise man or a foolish man. And I learned three principles from this passage of Scripture that I want to share with us here this morning. I learned, number one, we are all in the process of building our house. Every one of us, we're in a process of building. I'm not talking about a physical structure. As a matter of fact, Jesus isn't talking about a physical structure. 
Jesus is giving an example. He's giving an illustration. He's not looking at these people sitting on the hillside and saying, hey, get your hammer and nails. He's not talking about a physical structure with hammer and nails building a structure. He's talking about our life. And Jesus looks at these people on the hillside of Galilee and he says this to them. Every one of us are in the process of building our house. The word house there literally is talking about our life. We're all in a process every day of building our life. I started on February 23rd, 1971. I don't remember it much. But I remember start, I, I started building my house way back in 1971, and I'm still building. Kind of a rickety old structure, but I'm still building. I, 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 some of you started, if we were to go around, we could start asking you when you started building your house. You started building your house uh, 41 years ago, just a couple days back, right? Am I right? 43 years ago. Slap me later for that one. I'm sorry. He's so much more mature than me, too. I, I, anyway, he started building his house 43 years ago, and he's still building his house. Some of you have been building your house for 10 years. Some of you have been building your house for 15 years. Some of you have been building your house for 30 years. Some of you have been building your house for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70. Some of you have got a lot of experience building your house. Can I tell you, we're not done building our house. We don't ever come to a place in this lifetime where we say, oh, I'm done. We're all in the process of building our life. I, I would tell our teenagers back home, I'd say, hey, God can always use you as long as you're always willing to be taught. As soon as we get to the place where we think, as soon as we get to the place where we think we've arrived, we're no good to anybody. And Jesus looks at these people and he says this, we're all building our house. We're all building our life. You say, I'm 80 years old, a little whippersnapper. Why don't you quiet down a little bit? Can I tell you, at 80 years old, you're still building. You're still building. You say, Brother Kurt, when do I stop building my house? Well, I love to illustrate this. Here's when you know you're done building your house. You will go... And then you're done. Until then, don't quit. Don't stop. Jesus looks at these people and he says, he compares the wise man and the foolish man. You know what's true in both lives? They're all building a house. We're all constantly in this process of growing. And why are you at church on Sunday morning? Because you're building a house. That's it. Truth is, Pastor Andrews is an amazing man. Can I, can I just tell you this, though? There's nothing he's going to tell you from this pulpit at any point that most of you haven't already heard at some point or another. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. He may package it a different way. He may de de deliver it in a different way. He may be quieter at some points and louder at some points. Or he may punch or he may, he may stomp. Or he, what's he doing? He's telling you things you already know. You know what we're guilty some, sometimes of doing? Showing up at church and... <sighs> Hurry, preacher. Football game's coming. Hurry, preacher. Pot roast is in the oven. Hurry, preacher. The nursery workers right now are saying, Copeland, Hurry. 
Now, I understand that one for sure. Can I, can I just tell you? We come here because we're all in the process of building. And we haven't arrived. Do you know that when Jesus sees this auditorium, Jesus doesn't look down here and say, Oh, oh, oh there is the Reverend Andrews. And then he looks at us and says, oh, and there's the rest of the people. Do you know there's no hierarchy in God's economy? Amen. When God sees Kurt Copeland and he sees Brother Andrews, he sees two people alike. And sign language is the word for same. He sees two people the same. We're brothers in Christ. I'm not better than him. He's not better than me. By the way, I could, I could go around and I'd go person by person. I'm not better than any one of us. You're not better than me. I'm not better than you. We're all sinners. And we're all in this process of, of learning and growing and, and, and becoming more like Christ every day of our life. You may be further down the path of building your house, but we all are in the process of building our house. Number one. Number two. I learned from this passage of Scripture. This is amazing. The Bible says this. I, I'm going I'm to read the verses, then I'll give you the point. Verse, verse number 25. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. Ouch. Matter of fact, why don't you keep your eyes on verse number 25? I'm going to read verse 27. Don't cheat. Some of you, you already looked at 27. You're cheating. Look at verse 25. Stay there. I'm going to read verse 27. You're at verse 25. Verse 27, I'm reading, says, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. Which verse did I read? I told you, it was 27. Was it a lot like 25? Identical. Do you know what I learned in this passage of Scripture? Number one, we're all in the process of building our house. Number two, I wrote down this, the storms of life come to everybody. Jesus stood in front of this hillside of people, and he said, hey, you're building your house. You're building your life. And along this path, there's going to be some storms that really, really stink. He, he looked at the foolish man, excuse me, he looked at the wise man. And he said, hey, you built your house, but there's going to be a, there's gonna be a storm that comes. The rain's going to come. The flood's going to come. The wind's going to beat on the house. Again, he's not talking about a physical structure. He's talking about our life. Sometimes life stinks, doesn't it? Hard to say amen to that one. Some of you seated in this auditorium today, maybe watching online, some of, you, some of you, you've seen some unbelievably hard times. You didn't ask for it. Some of you, some of you stood, excuse me, some of you stood at an altar with your hands out, holding hands. Ladies, he was your knight in shining armor. I mean, he was the greatest thing. I, and then he turned into a rusty bucket of bolts. He got old. Some of you have walked past this area of a church or a funeral home and looked in at that person who you stood at the altar with. It hurts. Some of you... You stood at the altar and you married that person who you thought was going to be 
you know, your dream boat, the one you're going you're gonna to spend the rest of your life with and something happened and, and the marriage has been ripped apart. You didn't ask for that. But it happens. Uh, some, of you, some of you went to the doctor. I mean, you were feeling great. You, you, walk, you schedule the appointment with the doctor. You, you get to the doctor's office. You walk in, and they start poking you and prodding you and, and, and testing you and all that. And then they, they take all these tests, send you home. The next day, the doctor calls and said, uh, we need to see you. Like, what? You go back in, and they tell you some bad news. You didn't ask for that. Some of you, you, you held that baby in your arms for the first time and, and, and you thought, this is amazing. This is the greatest thing on earth. And, and, and you're married and you, you started the family and you're holding that baby and you think in your mind, this is going to be the greatest home ever. My child's always going to love me. They're always going to think I'm the, the best parent in the world. And then they became a teenager. And then you're wondering, why did I have kids anyway? And they hurt you. Some of you today, you're in church and you don't know where your child's at because they don't go to church anymore. And it hurts. You go to the mailbox and you hesitate even going to the mailbox because you know when you go there, you're going to open it up. There's going to be a bunch of bills. How am I going to pay the bills? Sir, you've worked at the same place for 30, 40 years. You walked in one day and they said, well, we're doing away with your position. You're like, wait a second, I pulled overtime. I gave the best years of my life to this place, and you're just going to kick me to the curb. Sometimes life stinks. Sometimes you get up on a ladder and you fall for the Blasio and shatter that leg, that ankle. Sometimes life stinks. Doesn't it? Y'all looking at me like, no, no, life's pretty good. Well, can I tell you, if you're not in the middle of a trial, a storm, you're either going into one real soon or you're just getting out of one, one or the other, because life stinks sometimes. I'm a preacher. I just said it out loud. Sometimes life stinks. Hey, kids, you studied all night for that test. Okay, I won't go there, because you didn't study all night anyway. Sometimes life stinks. And Jesus stands before these people on the hillside and he says to this whole crowd of people that are gathered together on Sunday morning at Central Baptist Church, he says, hey, we're all in the process of building our life and sometimes the storms of life come. It's hard. How do you make it through the storm? I don't know what you're facing. How do you make it through the storm? This is Jesus' conclusion to this great message. And Jesus says this. He says that wise man built his house upon a rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The storms came to both of them. Their life, one is built on a solid foundation. The other life, the life is just, oh, whatever. I'm going to do whatever. It doesn't matter. And the storm came to both. And the one who made it through the storm is the one who built their life upon the rock. So can I ask you today? This is all an illustration Jesus gave in a conclusion. What is the rock? 
is the rock? Well, Brother Kurt, I'm at church on Sunday morning on a rainy day. I'm faithful, Pastor Andrews. I'm here. The offering plate, I put money in the offering plate, and, and I'm being faithful. I'm, I'm in my place. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Can I tell you the rock is not your attendance at, at Central Baptist Church? Oh, it's in, don't, don't kick me out yet. It's important. God says not to forsake it. But can I tell you the foundation for your life is not your attendance at church. The foundation for your life is not giving an offering in the offering plate. Your offering, excuse me, your, your foundation in life is, is not telling your neighbor to, to be in church. That's not our foundation. What is the rock of our life? Some of you have already said it. It's Jesus. Let me, let me, I've been a youth pastor, so I take things very literal. I've never seen Jesus. I'm just being honest. By the way, neither of you, I know you haven't because the Bible says, had you seen him, you wouldn't be here. I've not seen Jesus. You say, well, I've talked to him. I've talked to him too. But he hadn't talked back. You know what I mean? I, I've not, I, how, how I, as a young person, I used to wonder, what if this isn't right? What if this isn't real? What if I've been deceived? What if, this, what if this book isn't true? And I always come back to this simple principle. My faith is in this book. I've never seen Jesus, but you know what? I hear, hear a whole, let, let, let's just do a Bible study real quick. You want to do that real quick? My, I, I've still got time. Pastor said I can go to one o'clock, so I've got plenty of time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please don't leave yet. The, the, the Bible, go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 1, just a quick little Bible study, Jesus is our foundation, he's our rock, but look what John says, John chapter 1, John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. By the way, the, the, the W on word is a capital letter W, talking about literal deity. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay, so we understand God's making a comparison, an analogy he, he's saying, I'm the word. God's saying, I'm the word. I'm the word. And then look, if you would, please, over at verse, uh, verse 12. I love this verse. Verse 12. But as many as received him, Jesus, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God establishes our eternal security in him. Oh, hold on. Listen to this next verse, though. Verse 14, and the word was, capital letter W, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him, of who? The word of Jesus. So in John chapter number one, John says this to the people. He says, hey, Jesus is the word. Oh, hold on. Let me just tell you what that means. 
That means this. This book that you hold in your lap is a picture of who Jesus is every day of our life. I've never seen Jesus, but you know what? I don't have to see him. I get to see him every day. I've never heard the audible words of Jesus in my life, but I don't have to hear his audible words. I get to read them every day. This book is the foundation. It's the solid rock of our Christian life. So, Brother Kurt, you're awfully loud today. I'm very passionate about this. My life will crumble outside of this book. Hey, college student, your life will crumble outside of this book. Hey, teenager, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. That's the closest I'll ever get to singing. And you grow, grow, grow. Hold on, you remember the second verse? Neglect your Bible or neglect your Bible. You can get the old southern going. Forget to pray. Forget to pray, forget to pray. Neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink. Oh, I love this. We ought to just do it in church today. And do it like you used to do it in children's church. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the children sing that song. But when they sing, grow, 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 I mean, they start sitting in the seat, and they're growing, growing, growing. And you grow, grow, grow. And you grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow. And by the time you say the last grow, they're standing on their seats. Their arms are way up in the air. They're like, grow, grow, grow. Wouldn't that be cool to do in church today? Someone someone get hurt. The reverse of it, I love doing this part too. Neglect your Bible, forget to pray. And you shrink, shrink, shrink. And they're all sitting in the shrink, shrink, shrink. And before you're done with the last shrink, when I was in children's church, I was literally laying on the floor flat. Can I tell you, it's not just a children's song, it's life. Hey, can I ask you today, what is your relationship like with this book? We want strong homes. We want united homes. We want strong churches. We want, we want power in our pulpit. We want, we want all this stuff. But you know what? We don't ha- you know why we don't have united homes? Because we don't have this book in our home. Look, look right here. We neglect this. We say, Brother Kurt, no, I've got the Bible. I, I was going to ask you, when's the last time you opened the Bible? Some of you are like, I just have it open right here. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when was the last time you opened your Bible as a dad? And we wonder why so many Christians quit in the storms of life. Because we neglect the book. The Bible says in Joshua, I should have studied more. Somewhere in Joshua, 1-8, it's somewhere in there, it's in there. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Do you know the word success is only found one time in your Bible? And it's in direct proportion to our relationship with this book. No, 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 Brother Kurt. 
I believe I'll be successful as long as I'm in church. Pastor Andrews keeps preaching the word of God. I believe then I'll have success. Not according to the word of God. My success is in direct proportion to my time in this book. Can I illustrate it? I'll be done. My daughters, when they were little, I, I, I messed up in the head, just so you know. By the way, you're the one who invited me to preach, so it's his fault that I'm even here. So I, it, I messed up in the head. I, I remember when my daughters were little, I always wanted to feed my daughters when they were, you know, seven months, eight months old. They, they'd be nursing, but I always wanted to sneak them in some real food. I always, I always wanted to do that. And so when my wife wasn't watching, I'd, you know, I'd get a pizza, ice cream, chocolate. Come on, take a little bite. My daughter's sick for like two days. And my wife's like, I wonder what's wrong with her. I don't know. I have no idea what's wrong with her. But I'm having a good time eating. I, I remember we were at a, at a Ryan's Steakhouse. You remember the old Ryan's? I don't know if, if there's any in this area, but you know the old buffet? You go there and buffet your body, as Paul said. You go and eat and eat and eat and be a glutton. We don't preach about that one, but we'd be a glutton. And, and I remember going to a Ryan's Steakhouse, and my wife had carried my daughter, or I'd carried the, the, the carrier in. My daughter's maybe, maybe eight months, whatever. We sat her up in that little booster chair, whatever, and, and uh, she maybe eight months. She's not eating real food. And I looked at my wife, and I said, honey, how about, how about, we, how about we give her some food? My wife's like, no, she can't, she, she can't eat that. She can't chew it. She, no way, we can't do that. She'll choke on it. I said, ah, oh, come on, let's do it. We, we, my wife and I, we have a, one of a, our discussions. We don't call them arguments, discussions. We have one of our discussions on what it was that we fed her. We don't discuss what, we know we did it. She says it's potato chips. I say it's green beans. But she's not here. I'm preaching, so it is green beans. And uh, my wife, we got up there to the, the buffet and got some green beans. And I remember my wife took the green beans. Here's what preaching is. My wife took that green bean, and she couldn't just take that green bean on her fork and put it in my daughter's mouth. My daughter would have choked on it. So my wife took the green bean, put it in her own mouth, and she chewed it. Some of you know where I'm going. And she got one of those little plastic baby spoons, and she put the little plastic baby spoon up to her mouth and went, and she spit onto the spoon a pre-chewed, nasty green bean. And then she looked at my daughter, Angel, who's sitting in that, that little booster seat, like. <laughs> and my wife said, Angel, here comes the choo-choo train. Chooka-chooka-chooka-chooka-chooka-chooka-chooka-chooka-chooka-chooka. And my daughter. <laughs> and in it went. And my daughter's big smile swallowed that, that nasty pre-chewed green bean. I would like to say, how many of y'all have ever done, don't raise your hand, because there's teenagers going to be looking at their parents, and if you're honest and you, your teenager sees that you chewed food and fed them with that, they're going to be mad at you for years. So I, don't raise your hand. Some of you know what I'm talking about because some of you have done that in years gone by. Can I tell you what preaching is? Preaching is Pastor Andrews filled with the Holy Spirit of God, spending all week studying. He'll, he'll take the Bible, he'll read a passage of scripture, he'll eat, not literally, because that'd be kind of weird. 
he'll ingest the word of God. He'll study it. He'll go, he'll go over a message. I'm just guessing. We've never talked about this. But I'm guessing he'll go over a message a dozen times. This morning in the hotel room, I got my, my Bible out and I went back through this message over and over and over and over again. Why? Because I'm eating it. I'm ingesting it. I'm, I'm putting it in. And Pastor Andrews will stand up here. He'll, 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 he'll study. He'll prepare. He'll ingest. He'll, he'll get the message ready as God's given it. And he'll stand up here on a Sunday morning and bleh. <laughs> he'll give it to you. You're like, that is what preaching is. Bleh. Can I tell you, that is preaching. Preaching is someone taking the word of God and pre-chewing it, digesting it, and then giving it out. That's what preaching is. Hey, can I tell you? But let me go back to the original illustration. So let's just say that my daughter Angel drives over today from Fort Walton Beach. And, and, and oh, she just came through the back door. We'll just pretend she's not. But she just came through the back door. Angel, good. Let's, Pastor, let's go to Ryan's for lunch after church. Let's have a great big church banquet at Ryan's. Pastor Andrew's treat. And we all sit at one of those big, long banquet tables. And I look over, my wife's there with me, and Angel's sitting there, and Gabby's sitting there. And, and I say, hey, babe, let's, let's feed Angel some green beans. And in front of all of you, my wife goes up and gets some green beans. She puts a green bean in her mouth. She chews it. She didn't have to put it on a baby spoon because my daughter's she's 25. She didn't need a baby spoon anymore. She pre-chews it, she chews it up, spits it out on that spoon, and she says, Angel, here comes the choo-choo train, and does it again, 25 years old. And if my daughter at 25 years old goes, in her mouth, you would look at us and say, there's something wrong with the Copeland family. And you'd be exactly right. But we come to church. And we say, Pastor, feed me. And we never feed ourselves. It's no wonder that people that used to sit at church no longer attend church. Because we've been depending upon the milk of the word, not the meat of the word. Hey, today, you're building your life. Storms are coming. I don't know what the storms are. I don't even pretend to try and mention anything. Storms are coming. Teenagers, storms are coming. College students, storms are coming. How are you going to make it through? Sure foundation. I know it's a Sunday morning, and, and I wanted to give the gospel Sunday morning, and I'm not giving the gospel like I probably should this morning. Please forgive me for that. But God's led me here to Matthew chapter 7. And I don't know what you're facing in life, folks, but I know this. Sometimes life stinks, and people are quitting. There's a whole lot less people going to church now than there was 10 years ago. Why? Because we're not in the book. Because when we're in the book, we stay faithful through the storm. Hey, Dad, how are we going to unite the home? 
how are we going to unite the home? All right, kids, sit down. Well, that's not going to unite the home. This book will. And it starts with you, Dad, opening this book on your own first. I read a survey. My time is up. I read a survey. Lifeway Publications, they're located in Nashville, just down the road from where I live. And I, I read it. This has been years ago. I, I haven't been able to find it since. But it was a survey on churches about how much time they spend in God's word. They would, they would contact churches and ask the pastor to submit a survey to the church family. They compiled all this data. The survey was this. Their survey was everybody in the church, if you would, fill out a form that says how many minutes in a week, how much time in a week do you spend in the Bible? Not counting church. How much time do you spend individually in the Bible? That was the survey. No names, just a blanket survey. Think about it for just a moment. If you had to take from last Sunday to yesterday, how much time added together in that week, how much time did you spend in the Bible? Really. And I'm not saying... I'm, I'm, I'm just saying be honest. No one knows your name. Just think about it in your brain. No one else knows what you're, what you're thinking right now. From last Sunday to yesterday, add the minutes together. The survey came back in. They compiled it, and they said the average person in the church in seven days added together spends an average of two minutes a week. In the Word of God. Two minutes. Not two minutes a day. Two minutes in the week added together. I read that and I thought, my, my, my. No wonder we're hurting in our country like we are. Before you think I'm being judgmental, I'm not. They did that same survey not just for the people in the pew, but also for the people in the pulpit. And the survey was, how much time, pastor, preacher, do you spend in the Bible? Not in sermon prep. I'll spend hours in sermon prep. But, but how much time do you spend just walking with God? Preacher. All those surveys came back in. The average pastor in those surveys, in seven days added together, five minutes. Pastor Andrews will wonder why our churches are falling apart. By the way, in no way do I think that's the case at Central. But I know this. I know I can do better. If this is my source of strength, and it is, it's no wonder we're so weak as Christians. This morning, can I challenge you? Let's get back to the book. Let's get back to the book. Your only guarantee in the word of God for success is based on how much time you spend in this book. It's not your education. It's not your charisma. It's not your personality. It's this book. This morning, let's get back to the book. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We'll pray. We'll give an invitation. 
Maybe you're here today and you, you don't even know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're not sure you're on your way to heaven. Can I tell you you're in the right place?